Today's special NBA episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, our favorite app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Go to SeatGeek.com slash BS to start using SeatGeek. That includes Boston transplants looking for tickets for the Celtics West Coast trip later this month. Bob, you're fired up for that one. Celts on the road. Super fun. Going for a two seed. Uh, don't forget to download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BS. They'll send you $20 once you've made your first purchase. Today's episode is also brought to you by stamps.com. Instead of relying on the post office, you can buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer. This is what James Harden used when he mailed in the first month of the season. Use stamp.com. <laughs> uh, sign up for stamps.com right now and use the promo code BS. You get a four week trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes postage and a digital scale go to stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in bs it's nba time let's go yeah. Shout out to Tupac. i know he was huge in the canada vancouver area big hip-hop scene there yeah i was in montreal when there was a big tupac scene people love tupac people, oh, there was a montreal tupac scene yeah you'd have french canadians who didn't speak any french but knew all the or any english but knew all the lyrics to tupac that's bob Volgaris, esteemed nba gambler uh one of the best nba twitter followers on uh at haralabob.com h-a-r-a-l-a-b-o-b um he's been feisty this year there's been a lot of you Bad coaching drives you crazy, and there's been an inordinate amount of it. We've already lost five coaches, and it feels like we could have lost five more. Um, just recently, Derek Fisher, we lost him, although I'm not sure that was for basketball reasons. <laughs> um, I, I think there might be more to that story that might come out, but it's not like that was ever really a well-coached team. George Carl is, by the time this post might get fired, I don't know. He might come back. Uh why can't we find good NBA coaches? What's wrong? What are we doing wrong? It's hard to be a good NBA coach, I would say, first of all. And then the other part of it is, I think it's That's your just, answer? It's hard to be an NBA coach? I just don't it think It can't be going, that hard. No, it's hard for sure. It's hard when you have players who are making three, four, five times as much money as you do. That Who are, hard. by and large, taller than you. Like, imagine... That's why they talk to him when the players are sitting down at the bench, you know, the coach. Right. <laughs> because it's just hard to get respect when you're looking and you're staring up at someone. That's what killed Lawrence Frank. I think Had he might have been a good coach if he yeah. was like seven inches taller. He'd Had still be in the league. Yeah. I mean, he can't tell everyone to sit down so you can talk to him. Have right. a seat. Let me let me let me say something while you're standing <laughs> and they're sitting down. I think it's tough. That and then I think I just think it's um it's a job where the they there seems to be a lot of retreads and then the ones that are new to the game or new to the new to the NBA like Blatt there's some adjustment there and then it's You were just, kind of you were bullish on Blatt though when they hired him right you thought he was going to be a little innovative Well I think I think the one part about coaching that maybe I underestimate probably because just my personality but like the biggest part about coaching is aside from the X's and O's which is probably even bigger than the X's and O's is just being likable and I think that yeah. was the problem he had nobody liked him none of his players some of them like J.R. Smith liked him he talked about how he really respected him but I think he had, there was like a disconnect between him and the players. And I think that's the part that is the most difficult is just being a likable person that people want to follow. I've written about this so many times over the years. I don't know if I've ever written a giant column about it, but I feel like it's been spread over 20 years worth. And for me, it starts with Chris Ford 
Were you betting on basketball when Chris Ford was a Celtics, he was a Celtics coach? coach? He used I, to yell at, we had all this young team, right? Promising. D. Brown, before he hurt his knee. Brian Shaw, who ended up having a good career. Rick Fox. What year was that? This was, I'm talking 92, 93 Yeah, like range. one year 91, before. 92, 93. Yeah. He had all these young guys, you just yell at them all the time. Yeah. And you could see it starting to wear on them. And D. Brown's dribbling up the ball and telling him to shut up. And I'm like... I'm still in college. This doesn't feel right. Like, you know, he just, you could see he wasn't resonating with them. Then it goes to Patino in the late nineties, comes in huge contract, young team, and he's a drill sergeant. And I do think fundamentally the players have to want to win for the coach and they have to feel like it's their team. And that when the coach positions as I'm the savior, here I am. Thank God for me. You're all, you're all expendable. You're all pawns in my big chess game. That doesn't work. Luke Walton, who, you know, you need to get that. No, I just turn need to turn, phone it, turn it off. Well, I thought it was. No one called me. That's the other <laughs> thing. So it's like. Maybe maybe another coach got fired. <laughs> Probably. So like Luke Walton comes in. Just a good guy. Mellow. Wins respect for his team. You need to get that? I'm trying to turn it off. All right. I apologize. Luke Walton, uh, you know, it. nice guy. Steers the ship. Hey, Steph, here's the ball. Draymond, you do your thing. I'm not going to get in your way. And it worked. They were amazing. Maybe that. Maybe coaches should just be substitute teachers that just make sure everybody plays the right amount of minutes. Yeah, it's tough when you have a team of knuckleheads to just kind of be like, okay, guys, roll up the ball like and the let them go. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, that, look, when you do that and you have a team that gives up like a 1.2 points yeah. a possession on D. Um, so there is a, a fine line between being a micromanager and overbearing and just like completely laissez-faire and letting them do whatever they want. I think being like the gardener who showed up and took control of the team. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the things that Phil Jackson had. I mean, I'm not a huge, he wasn't now it's obvious that he's not a huge analytics guy. I mean, he doesn't, he's not terrible, but he doesn't understand a lot of things about the game. The year they lost to the Celtics in the finals, they welcomed open three point shots from the corner because they thought it would lead to Lamar Odom fast breaks the other way. Mm -hmm. Little did they know those shots went in at like a 1.5 rate uh, per shot per possession. So, but he was able to manage the egos and kind of, you know, he was famous for never calling a timeout, letting the team work it out, big runs, never getting up and calling a timeout. Right. And then you have the opposite of that, which you have coaches who are just like, want to control every little aspect of the game. And I think there's a fine line between what's two. weird is we both like Carlisle, but he is kind of micromanager and he's, guys looking over the bench all the time. Yeah. He's it's interesting because he was the worst ever. I mean, the year he played uh, the year, the Pacers and the Pistons played in the Eastern conference finals. The totals yes. I think were in the one thirties. It was incredible. What was the one, the famous Tayshaun Prince block? On Reggie. Which is one of the best players yeah. of this century, but that game was like 65 to 64 or something. Yeah, I think every every yeah. game went below the total, and the totals were like in the 140s one. It was a joke. Yeah. And the year they won the championship, the year Dallas won the championship with Carla as their coach, he kind of let Jason Kidd call all the plays right. and didn't call any plays for the most part. And now they're back to where he calls all the plays. I don't know if that's a testament to him having a bunch of losing years or the fact that he doesn't trust his point guards or he's constantly having roster upheaval where he's got a new point guard. When you have a new point guard every year, it's tough to just say, okay, buddy, you can call all the plays. I think that's part of it. But yeah, they, there's definitely a lot of, I mean, he's at half court, both arms out calling a play every time down. It's kind of remarkable. Practice is, I heard a great Phil Jackson story once about um, this coach who knew Phil, who had been doing well with his team. 
but then they hit a little rough patch and he just felt like he, he was losing them a tiny bit or they were just kind of on cruise control. He's like, what do I do? He calls Phil. What do I do? And he's like, next practice, don't call any fouls. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, just don't call any fouls. Let them beat the shit out of each other. He's like, all right. Call 20 minutes in, guys are starting to get mad. They're getting competitive. Guys have to be separated. They have this great practice. Everything's fine. But I think that's like the little stuff that he used to do that you can't measure. He would have his team seated, uh, legs crossed in a circle, beating drums. Right. <laughs> Smoking. It was just give like, them the weird Christmas books to make them to think the, about stuff. Yeah, he would give like all give 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 some players. I remember reading. Uh, Kobe Bryant never read any of the the books. He gave him like a bunch of different books. I can't remember some of some of them were. I think kind of applicable to Kobe. I think one of them was kind of insulting. One of them. I remember there was one book he gave to Kobe Bryant. I'm like, wow. Right. It was like a book about, uh, I don't remember, but it was something that made me think. It was like like about a serial killer or something. I was like, what are we trying to say? He gave him a cultural book. I forget. It it escapes me now, but it was like a book about how hard it was for like a black kid growing up in a white Uh, Something like that. And I don't think Kobe read that one either. But this was like when Kobe was younger. I remember people always said about Popovich, and I actually tried to remember this when, when like we were starting Grantland and all that stuff. But he would, he was always like, "What's like?" Somebody asked him like, "What's the key to your success as a coach, like over the long haul?" And he's like, "Treat everyone the same, have the same relationship with the best player on my team as I do with the fifteenth best player." Which probably no way that's true, but at least he, you know, he, I guess the point is he's trying to connect with every guy he has. They're not just these dudes at the end of the bench. Yeah. And the way he uses the season and his roster, really smart. I think that's been the most innovative thing other than what the Warriors have done with small ball defensively. Um, just the way Pop has rested guys has really kind of revolutionized the league. You see the minutes now, nobody's over 38 minutes a game. Guys just rest just to save their bodies. And, uh, I think you two know, years ago, smart. two years ago, we did a podcast. Yeah, and we talked exactly about this, about how the, the Spurs were resting players, how they were. But now they've taken it to another level. Now they're, they're just like, Duncan, you're gonna take this week off. They did that two years ago. The to year this they went level, to the fi- yeah. Do you remember them using like 13, 14, 15 guys like this? Though? Yeah, really? Yeah, like Jonathan Simmons out of nowhere, all of a sudden he's playing. They were definitely they were players that you had heard of, so it, was, yeah. it seemed a little bit different than like they didn't they didn't find like Boban. Marjanovic from like a different planet and brought him here to play. Their box score is like a surprise. You just don't know what to expect when you look at the box score. If you didn't see the game, it's definitely like, oh, a, sure, Bobang has definitely a minutes. tough team to predict minutes for, for sure. It seems like more and more teams are borrowing that. The teams are borrowing it, and I think some teams are um, overdoing it in some ways. Mm. I mean, I always was on tips for playing as players too many minutes, and I think there's a fine line between that and then also just like never establishing any type of rotation or establishing any type of flow to a game. Like I think that's one of the things that Bud does for Atlanta that maybe serves them well come playoff time. I'm not sure, but it feels like when I watch their games, nobody ever really gets into a flow of the game because they're constantly every whistle, someone else is coming in for someone else. And I feel like that may be hampering just the in-game flow of like players getting accustomed to playing with the same players and running the same stuff, especially when they run, when you run a very elaborate offense, like they run like they're, they get to half court faster than the other team with the ball on offense. Yeah. But then their plays take a long time to develop because they're constantly passing and moving and they're waiting for like, they're passing up good shots for better shots. And I feel like when you're 
taking up Horford and bringing in Splitter, then Splitter comes out and in comes Mascala, then Mascala comes out and in comes Millsap. Now Millsap comes out and Horford comes in. It's just like you're watching the game and if you look at the the play-by-play log and you're just like, wait, who's playing what position with whom and when? And I could see how that would be tough. It's funny that Jerry Sloan plays Stockton the exact same way every game, forever. Mm -hmm. Stockton plays forever. He plays more minutes and seasons at point guard than anybody in the history of that position. He's still good when he's like 40, 41. He's still, you know, what was it, 99, 2000, 2001? They're still in the playoffs. Every time he took him out at the same point of the first and third quarter. Yeah. And he rested him for, what, five, six minutes at the end of the first quarter. All coming through the second quarter, they bring him back. It's weird that nobody emulates this. Some guys do, like, like the the with Dirk, for instance, the Mavs take him out at the six minute mark, the first six yeah, minute whistle. Yeah, you're right. They do one, that pretty one consistently. And then you have Seltz did that with KG. Doc used to do that. He would take him out. It's weird that he did six it, minute timeout, but he doesn't do anything like he doesn't stagger it. Like he plays full five man bench units with the Clippers, which is just mind boggling. Doc's, I think, just I don't know what happened to Doc. But um, the guy who kind of does that now, still, what you talked about is uh, Van Gundy. Yep. I mean, he's playing the same nine guys, the same amount of minutes every game. The only time he it, it varies a little bit is with Drummond. If Drummond's getting hackered and he doesn't want him to play, then he'll play Baines more than Drummond. But other than that, you know that Reggie Jackson's going to play X amount of minutes. KCP's going to play X. It's pretty consistent. He's pretty even to the point where if they're down like eighteen, he's still got his players in their regular minutes at the end of the games. Our kind hero, of interesting. our hero, the the next American president, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. Um, it took him. Almost two and a half years to figure out that he just needed to settle on nine or ten guys. And he was always mixing and matching and guys shuttling in and out. And it was my one nitpick with him because we just know the the NBA is you, you need to know who your nine are. They need to know who the nine are. And then everybody else, if they know they're not going to play, they just you got to be ready. You got to be like David Lee and the Warriors last year. But if you look at that team, though, and you see like it's one thing if you have like a dominant five starters. Right. These are your guys. If you look at that team, they don't have. They have like Bradley, Smart, Thomas, Three Evan Turner. <laughs> but they have like four guys who all play like the same positions in some right. ways. But they had to stop like the David Lee for eight minutes. Exactly. The James Young for six minutes. Like that doesn't work. Yeah. Just pick your dudes. And uh, I don't know. I think like Van Gundy to me, my favorite coaches to watch this year, Van Gundy and Stevens are definitely near the top. And a lot of it is just because now they've kind of, everyone knows their roles. People need to know like, all right, crunch time. Here we go. Who's our five? And even with that, the Celtics took forever. Now they finally realize, like, we just got to play the three guards together. It's weird because if you look at their record this year and you look at pre-David Lee getting minutes. Yeah. David Lee getting minutes. (laughs) Post-David Lee getting minutes. (laughs) It's a graph. It's like a perfect graph of winning. I feel bad. Uh Uh-oh, we're losing. And then, uh uh-oh, he's He's gone again. He's such a good guy. Probably, yeah. And it's not even that he's unplayable anywhere, but he's definitely unplayable on that team. They don't have a... They just don't have a role for him. That's been so. My theory on this: last year, when these teams were going small, and you could take the Celtics would take teams by surprise because you had so many teams that were kind of built for that old school style, right? And that's Atlanta does this whole season where they have these lineups that just not a lot of teams could match up with correctly. Now this year, you've all these teams now that have put some thought into being ready for those kind of lineups. And I think it took a while for the Celts to they they they're not a take you by surprise anymore, you know. And now their take by surprise lineup is the three guards at the same time with Crowder, right? Which they're just like, go to the rim. We'll try to stop you, but on the other side, we're just going to attack you and try to outscore you. Yeah, they're a fun 
they're a fun team to watch. I like watching them probably more than any other Eastern Conference team. Yeah, there's some thought. What's great about Stevens, I mean, he's been unbelievable, but uh, the plays he draws up when, like, we need a basket, I really feel like it's like this. I can't wait to see what he does. I don't remember a lot of coaches who've made me feel that way. Like you didn't, remember, you don't remember Frank Vogel calling those Monte Ellis <laughs> for three for long three pointers and tie games. You don't remember those plays? Did you watch the one where it was a play? But uh, Miles Turner, who I actually like, he screwed up. He didn't come over, and Monte Ellis had to take a terrible shot. And then everybody's yelling at Miles Turner. I'm like, Monte Ellis would have taken that terrible shot Regardless, anyway. Yeah, he would have. Didn't matter put, what Miles Turner did. Yeah, he would have shook him off. Yeah, that's that's got to be. Who are the guys that just take years off your life if you're a fan of that team? Monte Ellis, Rudy Gay. A fan of like any team, you mean? They're just guys who are good, good enough that casual fans think they're good. But if you're watching them night in, night yeah, out, if you love the team, they Rudy Gay is for sure the... He's got to be the MVP of that He's team. the... By far. Because he has all the skills to be like an all-star, right. Hall of Famer. Perfect small everything, ball for the textbook. Everything. Yeah. But he just he just looks like he's bored. Yeah. He just looks... He doesn't have that fire inside him. I mean... He Do you worry that Wiggins might be like that? A little, a little bit? bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's sniff of that with with Wiggins I, I like Wiggins a lot but I worry about him sometimes I think the diff I mean and Rudy Gay's like by all accounts like a good human being too yeah but he's just I don't know there's just I, th- I think the difference it's really tough without ha- being able to have like a lot of exposure to hearing the person speak and knowing like okay is this guy intelligent or is he not intelligent by all accounts it seems like Rudy Gay's smart like I don't think he's a, like a dummy by any yeah. stretch and I think the same thing about Andrew Wiggins so it's tough but I don't know if it's that or, I mean, also look at Andrew Wiggins just hasn't had a coach. He had Flip Saunders, who was a good coach. He had him for a while, but now he has Sam Mitchell, who is a top three worst coach. Has to be a detriment to the Unbelievably bad at coaching. Yeah. So I think that makes it very- By the way, we knew this. Anyone who followed basketball this century knew that Sam Mitchell was really bad at coaching. I got about- 300 notifications in a week when Sam Mitchell became the interim coach or coach from guys from Toronto being like, Oh my God, no, how, how, <laughs> how is, is this happening? happening? Don't you remember the late game? We would always, every close game we would lose. Don't you remember? And I was like, no, I don't. First of all, I don't know who, why you say we, I'm not part of the team. I think that's why the, the league made the Knicks hire Rambus as an oh, interim man. coach because they, it, they just felt bad for Sam Mitchell. He it's, needed somebody to play checkers with. When is Knicks Timberwolves? It's like shoots and ladders. Ta- will you checkers. find out when Knicks Timberwolves is? Because that's the checkers match of the year. That's going to be unbelievable. I don't even know if checkers is like, what's that game that you just pushed it? Bob, <laughs> we just pushed the thing in the dice. <laughs> the traffic. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking up Rambus. I tweeted this. Yeah. February 20th. Oh, February 20th. Wow. The Coming up right after, the, right after the All-Star Oh, break. my God. That's going to be appointment viewing. That'll Something be terrible will happen at the end of that game. Yeah. I looked it up. Because I, I had a hazy memory of this being true, but then I, I after five, six years, I just couldn't believe that it was true, but it was true. Kevin Love's second season, the Timberwolves, Timberwolves won 15 games. He played Ryan Gomes, Kurt Rambis played Ryan Gomes, more minutes per game than Kevin Love. Yeah. It's got to be the coaching achievement of, of the century. It's not like they were a good team. They're a 15-win team. Yeah. He's got Kevin Love. They were a, he, he put together successive... Sub twenty win seasons. Yeah, he's one of the, the worst coaches of all time. He's What's really funny bad. is I did TV with him, and I felt bad because I had made fun made fun of him a couple times in comms. Such a nice guy. Yeah, whole time I felt bad. Is he's actually was good on TV. It, I think that's what he should do. I don't. 
think he should be coaching. I can't imagine. It could even be like maybe, I don't know. He was trying to force the triangle down the Timberwolves' throats back then as well. They played the triangle, which right. is amazing. That it's, it's always amazing when You're teams play the, play the triangle with a young team. Yeah, with think a young team. For a second. A young team and like Johnny Flynn, who's the everything you would never want in your triangle point guard. Sure. Just like this young short guy who just wants to run. Yeah, uh, it was. I was, hate systems. Systems to me are the dumbest thing you can do in basketball. Like, why have a system when you don't know who your players are? Patino used to do that. He's like, hey, here's my system. Well, Patino did the famous. There was the strike, the lockout that year. The players came back out of shape, and, and he, he had guys, pressing. and he was full court pressing. I was going to those games, and the players were dying. I mean, they were they, they were fouling twenty pounds heavy. Yeah, and yeah. I would just like there might be okay. I know you're a, a press coach, which by the way, it's not college. Press isn't really going to work in the NBA, anyways. Yeah. Um, but if it's going to work, it's certainly not going to work when your guys are out of shape. With that said, I went to a lot of those games, and I do think there's a scenario where the press can work in the NBA. I think you'd have to train. Your eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve you need a guys. Super to do deep it. team. Yeah, yeah. You, if you, and like you the need Celtics guys. The Celtics could do it right they now. They could have done it. But I mean, well, the Celtics. Doc Rivers did it the year they were tanking, the year before they got KG. Right. He did it, was it. His way to they tank. They would be like in the they would be like in the penalty with seven minutes left, and they'd be like, all right, let's go full court press. I hope just you were making money fouls. on those last yeah, two those, months. Those, those, them, and Golden State. The year Golden State tanked with, with incredible. Jeff. We're just, I mean, the problem is the lines were not realistic. The lines just kept getting higher and higher. And so you, your model would be like, okay, the model doesn't know that these teams are actively trying to lose. Right. So you're trying to figure out exactly where the, you know, where the motivation is there. I remember Doc was playing Alan Ray with Gerald Green and Rondo and like one other guard. It was like the four guard lineup, <laughs> just throwing it out there. Mark Jackson played, I think. I want to say six players an entire game or five players an entire game. Yeah. Well, the worst no ever was Madsen. That was yeah, Madsen with the three pointers. Threes. That actually like they were willfully trying to lose the game. Yeah. That was terrible. Who's I can't the remember what then? the stakes were. Um, it was post flip. It was somebody. It was it whoever Whitman? was after flip. Hold on. I want to talk about Slender Tone. You know what Slender Tone is? No. I, I can use Sl- it though. <laughs> I bought Slender Tone before they they actually. Uh, decided they wanted to sponsor the podcast which I was stunned by because I got on Amazon I saw an infomercial and I was like I need that I hate doing sit-ups I want my abs to look better so um, you can get your help with your ab workouts you try Slender Tone Connect Abs it's a smart fitness device that you put around your waist and it actively tones and tighten your abs and it, and it works uh, their toning belt is controlled by, via an app that creates your personal training plan, tracks your workouts, sends customized tips to keep you motivated. They use this technology, you feel like the pulsations in your, your stomach starts contracting like you feel it. It's like doing sit-ups, but you don't actually have to do sit-ups. Uh, they track your workouts, they send tips, all this good stuff. So um, my favorite thing is you can watch TV as you're doing it. Because I, like I like any workout where I get to watch basketball at the same time. <laughs> So this will be good for you. Uh, thanks to Slender Tone's money-back guarantee, you can join the 100% of, of users who are reported firmer, more toned abs in just weeks. I'm not there yet. I've only used, been using it for like two weeks. Visit SlenderTone.com today. Receive 20% off using offer code BS at checkout. Back to the NBA. Can the Warriors go 74-8? and eight? Um, They have a pretty tough schedule at the end, but I think, I mean... I think they want to, I feel like they want that more than, not more than a championship, but I feel like 
they would rather have that first and then worry about a championship later, which is admirable because it's something that no other team could do and they could be thought of as the greatest team ever. So right now they're 46 and four. I don't see so why they'd not. have to go 28 and four the rest of the way, which seems conceivable if they were healthy. Seems like a piece of cake. Yeah. Like we were saying in the car, um, it's shocking when these games are even close. Yeah. If they, if it's a three point game, I'm like, what? Like the Philly's hanging with the goal. I almost had a heart attack during that game. That game was Philly's hanging with Golden State. What's happening? Yeah, that game was interesting. I remember watching that game, going, "What is going on?" Yeah, Ish Smith, who New Orleans had no use for. How could you use him? You got yeah. How can you use him with all your great point guards? You don't. I mean, it's not like they want to play an up tempo style. Yeah, (laughs) there's no way he'll work with Anthony Davis, (laughs) who loves running and catching alley oops. He's he's turning New Orleans Noel into a serviceable offensive superstar. Don't play him. That would be stupid. You would watch those games, and they would. I would watch the Pelicans games, and they would start. Tyreek at the point, or even when they got Norris Cole, they would play. Then they played Norris Cole, but they would start these terrible lineups, and then yeah. you would just be sitting there waiting for Ish Smith to come in, knowing they're going to put up thirty points in that quarter that Ish Smith played. Yeah, and you have like a go 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 coach, supposedly, you know, seven seconds or less disciple. Alvin Almost Gentry. made the finals. The, the I was in on the Gentry hiring. That Suns team that came was, within that Kobe Airball or Tess layup. If, yeah. they, if they win that game, and in they OT. Play, you know they. But I look. I went back and watched that series again because I had a big bet on Phoenix to win the series that year. And you, who should have won it? I. I mean, they weren't there. I think I was getting some ridiculous price on it. They were big underdogs. I love them. I thought they were going to win the series. And what they did, they went to zone, and it worked because it surprised the Lakers. So yeah. they play, played zone for two. So they lost the first two games. Won the next three or two one the next two two, and then the game five was the Kobe Airball Artest layup which was actually a great play so the two games they played zone it took the Lakers by surprise then they went to it the third zone game and the Lakers kind of figured it out but at that point they should have just went back to playing and Mm. they you know he called it we're going to stick with our girly zone that's what he would say and it was just that was the big miss that team was entirely Steve Nash that he was the coach of that team Great season. And that's where I think coaching is overrated, where it doesn't matter who your coach is. If you have someone who's going to play 35, 40 minutes a game, has the ball in his hand the entire time, does it really matter who your head coach is? But you see what happens when these coaches lose guys like Steve Nash. Right. And now they're forced to actually coach. And they can't tell the difference between Ish Smith and Norris Cole. But that's (laughs) so you take Dan Tony, right? And he could have gone to the Knicks or the Bulls that year uh, after he left the Suns. He picked the Knicks because they offered him more money. Admirable. Goes to the Bulls. He has Derrick Rose back when Derrick Rose was actually Derrick Rose playing that style. I'm not positive it would have I don't worked. think it would have worked. I think he was it like... would have been more interesting than going to the Knicks, though. But I think, I mean, he's another coach that I feel like is a good coach. Was kind of revolutionized basketball with his I agree. philosophy of So who would you match him up with? You need Steve Nash. You need a point. You need John Stockton. But what guy right now could do that? Like Nobody. I don't, uh, Stephen Curry, that would be the, I mean, you, those coaches are There's as no good as their point. There's no point guard who could play up-tempo like that? It's not just off, up-tempo. No, I know. Nash the, was, was, the teams Nash was a point guard on had the best offensive rating seven right. years in a row. Yeah. That, so all of this talk about D'Antoni revolutionized basketball, that's great. But Nash was doing it with Don Nelson a few years before in, in Dallas. Yeah. They were they were doing the same thing, but it didn't get quite the publicity because they didn't you know didn't win the MVP award. So so I'm not trying to dis, you know I'm not trying to disparage D'Antonio. It's just more a testament to how great Steve Nash was as a point guard. Right. So right now, who do With you that have? With that said, I think you know, like I look at somebody like Kyrie, 
And that's not somebody who could work with Dan Tony because he's too slow. He's he's he's, he's the fast, slowest, but he goes fast left guy to right. ever. Yeah, he's always going left to right and backwards. It's like his uh, he's playing Xbox and his controller won't go forward. He can only go backwards, right. forward, side to side. I think I've changed my opinion on him twenty seven times already in five years. Last year I was after he had that unbelievable game on the. Uh, uh, rip a, of beginning of March where he, what did he have 60 or 50 yeah. or whatever he had against it was the like, Spurs yeah this guy's amazing oh my god he is an amazing offensive basketball him, player like, but he's not he's not compatible he needs the ball all the time he'd be like right. a good point guard that just had the ball you weren't, you're not gonna run with him he's just not gonna get play up tempo all game he's, he's my fear his process is, is too slow right my fear is he's this generation's Marbury now before you say, oh, that's terrible, Marbury. Marbury was really good. I think he's better than Marbury. I think he's more talented. But Marbury was a guy that the whole team had to be built around him. He had to decide everything. He, but he's not like... He had to move at his pace. I don't see... I don't remember the name of the social media thing that Marbury was doing that one year, which was off the chains crazy. Do you remember this? No, no. I'm... Not, I'm, I'm <laughs> what was that called? That. He, the, when he was eating Vaseline? No, Marbury... But what was the name of that? Of, I'm sorry, but what was the name of the... The pro, uh, he was, it was like a like a version of Snapchat, but different. Yeah, yeah, he was, was streaming worse. his life all the time. Yeah, no, he lost see, his mind. I don't see Kyrie being that. I feel that was a big part of the way Marbury played, though. You right. can't separate someone's mental problems from their basketball. I remember going to a Marbury. The Knicks traded for Marbury and went to a playoff game within that year, and the Knicks fans were in on Marbury. This was like hometown hometown kid. New York City tradition point guards. Yeah, and they were so into him and excited. And he still was. Somebody who could get 20 to 28 every game with 10 assists, but... I sat beside Stefan Marbury on a Southwest flight from, oh no. <laughs> from Las Vegas well. to Burbank. He was actually really nice. Yeah. But it was funny because I was meeting... It was during Summer League, and this was like the year after the Celtics won the championship that year, 2009. Yeah. And I met with the... He, he had minutes for us that year right. in the 2009 playoffs. And I met with the team that year uh, for like an interview... So I had my computer and all my models and everything ready to go. Hmm. And I sit down and Stefan Marbury and his, his handler sat down. Steph sat in the middle seat and his handler sat in the aisle seat. I was in the window. So I was like, let me just open up my computer and start talking basketball with this guy. And so Did I started work? talking basketball with him and, and running, like running queries. Like, what, what was my rating for this? And what, was, what do you got me in your system? And it was actually pretty interesting. It was kind of entertaining. But then he, he told me that he wanted to develop some app that would revolutionize communications where, mm. where you could contact anyone at any time. And I was like, you mean like a telephone? And he was like, but different. <laughs> and he was going to go to China and make it happen. And I was, I was like, wow, this guy's, this guy's out of his like mind. Like a telephone, but different. <laughs> yeah. No, talk, I want to talk to people in the afterlife. Yeah, it's different. But I really, like, I really like Kyrie. I wonder if he's somebody that can just have the ball and then not have the ball and then have the ball and then not have the ball. And I Stand think he might corner. just need to have the ball. Yeah. Which is why, like Marbury, I still feel like the first six years of his career, it could have worked with a certain team. I don't know what that team was. He never should have left KG. The KG Marbury was perfect. And then you add a couple people and it could have worked. Mm -hmm. Kyrie. Kyrie's still young, though, too. He's young. He's like 22, 23. I, I just hate watching the last four minutes of them. He also, I hate the LeBron one on one. It's just like the watching how they wasted love driving that drive me. Nuts. Look who his coaches have been. He had Blatt for a year, which is fine. Before that he had Mike Brown and Byron Scott. It's a that's a disaster. So that's part like you imagine only playing eleven games in college and then going to the NBA and having Byron Scott and Mike Brown. Which is why mold you. 
he's a top 10 untradeable guy. Yeah. You never know what would happen if he went to a decent coach who actually caught and him. And he's still like 23. Position. He's so young. Yeah. I don't think they'll have the balls to trade him unless something bad happens this year. And I and think they would trade love before they, they trade They don't have a, a backup point guard, though. Who are they going to roll with? Della Vadova? Oh, I, th- I think Williams? they'd have to get one back. Yeah. I don't know what type of point guard, but it would seem like... Rondo. <laughs> Rondo. <laughs> that, would be the, that would be a fun trade, watching Rondo and LeBron. It is funny, though. Everybody judges these guys by their, their offensive stats. I was like, Rondo's back! 11 assists a game. And meanwhile, they're getting just torched defensively. Night after night after night, teams are putting up 120, 128, they, they gave They had successive games where they gave up 1.2 zero points per possession in a row like which is like almost impossible yeah it's hard to do successively like the against, Sixers against terrible teams too not the even Sixers great teams. were trying to do it and couldn't pull it off they couldn't they were it. they were like let's get to one teams were missing shots every yeah, now yeah. and then yeah <laughs> you gotta the shots gotta go in the kings are so bad defensively that i actually the warriors kings games and i think there's been two but i always feel like that's the game where though 160 points and the 33s, 30 made threes. Some, some, some someone crazy, could score 80 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curry and Clay combines get into 120. Like oh, some sort some, of freaky statistical accident will happen against the Kings. It's funny because they played the Celtics the other day, and I was flying, uh, so I missed the game. And the then 46 I, in the first quarter, right? So I missed the game, and then I watched. The first thing I did is I, I listened to Rondo's post game comments and the coach's post game comments, and they're like. You know, what about this? You, know, you give up this many points. And they were like, we just turned the ball over too much, gave away too many easy oh, points. Oh, that's definitely it. Well, I looked at it and they only gave up 11 points off, off of live turnovers. Right. So what about the other 120? <laughs> what happened? So it's like there's not even any realization as to why they suck. Because, you know, people suck and they can be like honest about it. Like, oh, I suck. I'm doing this wrong. Like we're over switching for no reason. No one's picking up their man. We're taking three-point shots with, from our, our centers, taking three-point shots with his hand in the air, watching the follow through. And four guys are like below the free throw line. Right. So when the ball ricochets out, it's a four-on-one the other way. That's... We should maybe stop that, but no, we gotta stop turning the ball over. Well, he actually didn't turn the give up that many points off of turnover, so it's not that maybe he stopped playing better. defense around 2011, and then maybe it would, even he before. would turn it back on for playoffs, big games, national TV. But for the most part, it's hard. Teams because, just go, guys would just go by. Yeah, it's tough, and that's why I really like this Celtics team. And like, I know there's no way we could get David Lee and Sullinger and Brooklyn pick for Kevin Love. But if you just put Kevin Love in that Sollinger spot on this Celtics team, it'd be a big difference. It would be unbelievable. Sollinger bangs a bit more, though. I don't know that Kevin Love could defend and rebound. That enough. shot at the top of the key is wide open for whoever our five is. Yeah, and that's his shot. And that's one of the reasons it was so frustrating to watch him on Cleveland because they're throwing him in the corner. It's like he's great at the top of the key. That's where that's where he put up his points in Minnesota, but. Um, the Celts are one player away from being, I think to... being just a crazy offensive team because of the way they attack and the slash and kick and they have all the right pieces for the most part, except for that one, that stretch five. That's why Olenek, whose stats have been pretty good this year and who's been effective and is a better player than I thought he was, but he's effective because that shot's always open. Steven's just, he knows what he's doing. We just don't have the right players yet. It's tough to find that one piece that can do that. You like Kevin Love, right? They, just not defensively. I like him for sure. I mean, I was, it's funny because I'm, I'm the, I thought Kevin Love was overrated for a long time. And then I was yeah. like, no, he's very, very good. I remember we did a show together and yeah. I talked about how great he was. And now I'm kind of back to like, maybe I was right originally and maybe I shouldn't have listened. But I think he, I mean, he's obviously a very skilled offensive player. Um, I do wonder 
what his max if he's like a stat guy or if he's like a guy that can actually help Good a really stats, good team not win. a great team guy yeah, yeah i wonder about that but he hasn't had a, a proper fit yet in cleveland that could really they could do some things like getting him the ball at the elbows great they're trying to do that more um having like running some more pick and rolls with him would be good i think with lebron as the ball handler i think that would be kind of Difficult it's, it's the play I'm stop. always afraid of when the Celtics play them. You know what my so play please when, don't run a high screen with LeBron and Kevin Love. If yeah, when and there's like a play that they could run. I don't I don't think they run it that often because I think it takes a lot of toll on LeBron, but just setting the screen like really, really far away. Yeah. And having him come with a full head of steam and just right. go to the basket. They, that's like their go-to play when they need a basket and they're losing. Not so, in the last the play of the game. Foul every time. But like in the last two or three minutes of the game, he'll just like barrel in, barrel in. And and it's it's either a layup or a foul every time, like you said. And they don't really run that too much. But I feel like if if, if Kevin Love's the one setting the screen and then he could pop out, that could be a, an interesting play for them. Bizarre that they don't run that. And you could run it with Kyrie too. I think it's just too tough. I think it's too taxing to have them handle the ball that much. I think it fatigues them too much. He gets banged a lot. Remember there was like a two-year stretch where uh, we always wondered why Duran and Westbrook just wasn't wasn't the screen and like every time. Why they didn't do that? Why didn't Brooks see this? And now actually they run that. It's tough to stop. And every time they run it, I think they're going to score. And that's why, like I was watching OKC and the Warriors and the OKC spent a lot of energy trying to come back in that game, Right. So they tied it, and then the Warriors closed it out. The Warriors are home. They got a great crowd, um, good players. But I thought that that game was like a moral victory for OKC because it reminded everybody, including the guys in the other team, that they have two of the best four players in the league. It's crazy. And People if you don't have even a talk close about game, them. Yeah. If you have a close game, they have two of the best three guys on the floor. And they're more well-coached than they used to be. And that's a scary team. I don't want any part of that team in the playoffs. Durant's arguably number two in the league right now. Yeah, so what are your rankings? They change every week. I'm but just... I, I agree with you. I think Durant's I mean, two. Curry is number one for me. He's just yes. there. Uh, is Kawhi in the top four? Yeah. Yeah. My my thing West that switches a lot four. is... My thing that switches a lot is is between Kawhi and KD. Yeah. And then whoever's third and Westbrook and LeBron third and fourth or fourth. I think KD has to be higher than Kawhi because I always look at this stuff. I like, think so too. If my life depended on it, there's I'm just in a, a lot more. Game, who would I want? Yeah, I, there's I, just I'd a lot KD. more. There's 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 just a lot more value to having Durant who can score on anyone versus someone like Kawhi who's who's whose max value is when he has to play against a player like KD. Yeah, or LeBron, who. Um, but you can't. I mean, you couldn't really go wrong with either one of them. For sure. That's definitely the top four. Yeah. I think Davis Davis isn't. in another season would be there, but I, I just haven't liked his season. I think a lot of it has to do with, I don't blame him, but the reason why I, I don't blame put, him a little, just a tiny bit. Maybe. If your team is just out to lunch every game and you're the best player, you that's a little bit's got to be on you. I don't care who your teammates are. Sure. That's part of your job. You're the best player. Get everyone going. Yeah. He's not in the He's like more of the potential to be in that right. than actually there right now. I don't think it's fair to anoint him in that category. He's not up there. He's not. He certainly hasn't accomplished as much as Durant has or Westbrook has in his career. So it's silly to even compare him in that sense. I like Dray- I like Draymond and value Draymond slightly more than you do. I value him a lot because you don't I, think you think he's a top ten player. You would never say he's never. like the fifth best player. No, never. Because I think a lot of what's happened with Curry. I mean, Curry's the best shooter of all time. He's Maravich. He's modern day Nash, all that stuff. Curry gives him a little extra. 
I mean, Draymond gives him a little extra. I'm, I'm sorry. Draymond gives Curry a little swagger, a little protection. Um, the intensity night to night. I don't think Curry and Thompson, when they came to the league, were wired as night after no, night. I want to rip your hearts sure. out. Yeah. And Draymond gives that to those guys. There's Clay also, Thompson on another team could have been Rudy Gay. There's also, there's also just the fact that you can't double him when he runs the screen with Draymond. Yeah. Because when you do, it's just a pass to Draymond. And now Draymond either goes in and gets a layup like a straight path to the basket, or now you attack on Draymond. Now you have a wide open corner three for Harrison Barnes, Iguodala, right. or Clay Thompson. So I think without that, having a four, like not what other player can do that. Well, but also what other player I had tips on like a week and a half ago. And he was just saying like, they're the, my whole, I've done this before, but my whole thing about how golden state's not replicable. Like all these teams that are like, you we can't. gotta be like, you can't, you yeah. have Draymond clay. So silly that and teams the clay are curry to- combo is will never happen again in our lifetime. So yeah. you're never going to have the, the two of the greatest five shooters of all time on the same team. Like you think the, clay Thompson is one of the top five greatest shooters of all time. Who would you have ahead of him? I mean, I don't know. I never really thought about it, but I never really, I don't For, think I'm just thinking, I guess more like a I think like degree what, of difficulty ta- shooters. I think what you talked about with Draymond brings a little bit more out of, Curry, I think you could say that, like, if you put Clay Thompson on the Lakers, for instance, he'd be fine. No, I don't think so. I think I think he'd get he'd get stats. You wouldn't be, I don't talk- think you he would be would talking about him as one of the top five great shooters I agree. of all time. Yeah. Like, imagine Page in the Clay in the Clay Thompson role. Yeah, you know, he probably. I like Clay Thompson. I think I he's a too. fine player, but I just wouldn't. I don't know. I'd have to think about. It. He's he also be a right. very good defender. But like, okay, like Nash for sure is one of the. Nash is in the top five for well, sure. Well, I guess what I'm you talking mean just about, like a shooter, not also. Yeah, I'm not talking about statistics. I'm just talking about shot making. Okay. Like Clay, not like Clay has okay. the fastest release. He can shoot when he's moving. Kareem and Curry, they make shots that. Anybody else in the league, they're the most horrendous but shots. I, I mean, I'm not take. even thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, I would take Ray Allen over him, and I would take, oh, Ray, definitely. and I would take Reggie Miller over him. So there's two. See, I would put Clay over Reggie. No, really, I would. Yeah, I hate Reggie Miller's commentary. I don't know him as a person, but I would, and I, I think Reggie Miller was a better shooter. Here's here's the case against Reggie. They had to run these crazy elaborate offenses with triple and quadruple screens just to get him open to get the shot. Clay just gets his shot anywhere. Yeah, Clay's also thing. playing with Stephen Curry, who's just True. attracting so much attention that it's, 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 you never have to like think about when you watch a golden state game and like, let's say you bet the other team or let's say you bet the total under or something like that. That's the most, yeah. if, if you had your entire life on a bet and it was a Golden State under, you would have a heart attack every time Curry was on the court because right. it's just like, and no matter where he is, it's like a, it's three points right there, yeah. and you can see it from the defensive perspective. You can see the defense just like panicking, like oh fuck, we left Curry, like oh my god, and it just creates this chain reaction of every other player having like no focus on them defensively. And that's and people started writing about this a few months ago, but. Uh, I always compared it to in football when they're like what Randy Moss gave the Patriots and what Gronkowski does sometimes now for the Patriots where the defenses were just so terrified of them at all times that, you know, oh, Moss is in motion. You can see everybody in the defense, you know, they're freaking out, pointing to each other. And that's what Curry does the whole time. It's just this constant chaos. It just makes it like nerve wracking to play a basketball game against him for sure. Because you just can't leave him ever. The guys who really would have loved this era, Dale Ellis would have been unbelievable. If Dale Ellis had Dale Ellis was in a time machine and was in the Clay Thompson spot, would have been outrageous. Uh, the uh, Reggie Miller, obviously. Who's the other one? I was thinking, who would have loved this? Oh, do you remember um, George McLeod? 
Oh yeah, for us, for the Nuggets for a while. Yeah, I George McCloud jacked the threes, man. He would love this. He's got to be so it. mad that he misses. Yeah. And Del Curry would have liked this too. But there was a. But now it's just the mentality of. It didn't really start happening until ten years ago, where people on fast breaks now, the guys they go, to go the out, and they go to the corners or they go to the the the, the left side of the top of the key. But in the old days, they would just oh, I'm gonna run my lane and I'll do a layup. And now it's out. And that's the thing where Reggie Miller and guys like that, they would have just they loved this. Loved that. They would have loved Yeah, on. Reggie Miller, you're right. He might have been a better clay, shooter than Clay Thompson. I just seen them both. I've, I've never seen a quicker release than Clay. Quickest release I've ever seen in person. Hmm. I think Ray Allen had a pretty quick release. I would put him. I'd have to like watch I'd tape. have to study YouTubes. Yeah, I'd have to go watch some tape. But I, I will mean, say with Ray Allen, I think he's in maybe Curry. The only per, the only two people who could have made that shot he made in the finals. Someone should do a, a sports program on that day. It was the NFC. There was an NFC playoff game championship. There was like there was the conference finals that day. It was the day Kobe shot and scored eighty one or eighty two. Was eighty one or eighty two? We talking about 06? Yeah, the year yeah. that Kobe Kobe got the shot eighty two points. Eighty two eighty one. It was conference champion. The Pats lost to the Colts. Okay, but was it eighty two or eighty one? Oh no no eighty one. Okay, so then and then that night the Suns. It's the Steve Nash Suns played the Ray Allen Supersonics and Ray Allen scored like 50 points and it. it was the craziest game it, it was went to double or triple overtime I can't remember which Ray Allen hit like buzzer beaters at the end of like the quarters like the overtime the yeah. first overtime regulation and that was to me that's like that day was like the best that night of basketball was like it was a Sunday night so there wasn't any other games I remember watching those two games and just like thinking I love what I do for a living being right. able to watch these guys and that was but anyways that night uh, people forget people remember that people are like of this generation they kind of just remember the Ray Allen running around screens like you talked about yeah but that was the tail end of his career he was a primary scorer with Milwaukee and with Seattle he still ran off a lot of screens and did a lot of but it wasn't just like a spot up in the corner like he was for the Celtics or for the Heat he was having he had the ball he was the main scorer and he was an amazing player you and I and 28,000 Milwaukee fans are the only ones who remember how I got great. the tapes and I watched it, but my memory wasn't. I didn't. Oh, you had the tapes? I did. I someone the sent, tapes were destroyed. No, someone. The fishiest series in the history you know of the what's NBA. funny is after we did that podcast, yeah. they put it on Hardwood Classics. What? They put one to of the games, us? the game seven. Yeah, because I remember saying you'll, you won't see that one on. That was the one where Scott Williams got shelved like an hour before the I game. I have the DVD of it. Someone sent someone from Europe sent it to me. And I the Sixer was, fans are funny. They're like, hey, we shot more free throws than them all season. It's like, look, Iverson was going to the line like 20 times a game or whatever, 15, yeah, I, but 20. But when it I watched crazy. it, it wasn't as bad as I remembered it to be, which is kind of interesting how your mind can play tricks. Interesting. Yeah. Because they were taking, it's hard to get free throws when you're just coming down and jacking up a two-point shot. Well, there was, wasn't there, there was one game where... But I only have game seven and game six. I don't have the other games. The famous game was the one where the calls were so bad that... It's, I think it was game four. I'm yeah, not that positive. was the one that was. I remember being really bad. But they were like down seven with two seconds left, and the refs called a foul, and, the, and all the fans did this most sarcastic cheer of all time. <laughs> Just they're so mad that oh now we now we get yeah. one. But Ray was amazing that year, and I love that 07 Sonics team. I think I might have lost money on the 07 Sonics in the playoffs. They lost to the Spurs, right? They the Richard, took the Spurs to five, I think. Richard, Brikowski, Ray Allen. I like that. They, the the three-headed monster. Yeah. 
they I had a uh, Jerome James ended up getting paid. That was when the Spurs were really guarding the three point line very yeah. heavily, and so that they just had a steady diet of mid range jumpers that were just going in every time. You're making my I made this case in my book, but Ray Allen was better than I wrote the book in '09. I was like Ray Allen was better than Reggie Miller now, and then he had this whole second life as a role player and a couple still, more Celtics teams. Teams and are still teams. Try, Miami's still trying to sign them. Cleveland yeah. is still trying to get the guy to play. It bo- I said this last year. It bothers me that he just won't play in the Warriors. He could be Uncle Splash. <laughs> Uncle just Splash. Sh- Uncle Splash. What's what's better? Just come in for ten minutes a game and shoot well, some threes. How does he not want to do that? Definitely be an upgrade over Barbosa and Brandon Rush. <laughs> Poor Brandon Rush. He gets a lot of chances. Uh, I want to talk about HBO now, really quickly. Every episode of every season of HBO series plus the biggest and latest hit movies before any other streaming service. All available if you stream HBO. No TV package required. Coming to HBO Now this week. Oh, wait, it's already on Fast 7. So download the HBO Now app on your favorite device to start your 30-day free trial instantly. Fast 7. Are you fast? fast no, but I'll, watch, I'll probably watch Deadwood again. I like that. Oh, yeah. I, the, I think The, the Wire is great, all that stuff. Yeah. But I, and, and better than Deadwood. But I remember watching Deadwood and thinking, I, w- I want to watch this again. Deadwood. Yep. A classic. We, 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 I broke off the conversation with the Warriors after you said you thought they could go 74 and eight. There's another record at stake that to me was one of the unattainable records. My favorite team, the best team of all time, the 86 Celtics, 50 and one at home. Oh, what was it? One loss all year at home, 50 and one. This team could, I don't see them losing a home game. So this Warriors team is now 23 and oh, and I think you get. An extra first round game. So I think for them, 51 and 1, 52 and 1 could be conceivable if one of the series, excuse me, if one of the series went, you know, they lost a couple on the road and had to come back for a couple game fives, play three around potentially. Uh, so they could get to 51, 52 and 1 or 51, 52 and 0. But I thought 50 and 1 was never happening again. Yeah, they have to win every home game the rest of the way. They will have 41 regular season it's too hard they'll have a stinker. how would they even get there they have 41 regular season ga- home games right so they go 41 and 0 during the regular season four rounds four rounds but that's only two what is it? oh yeah three well, it's they a minimum eight have to but you probably get at least 10 yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're not going to run the slate i mean even no. the 2001 lakers couldn't run the slate right although you almost made money on all of those almost ran you were the a tai Lu one one Allen overtime Iverson game play. one overtime game one away from running the slate i have that team was so dominant, it was ridiculous. That's what the the best teams of this century, since the 96 Bulls, basically. In, in some order, 0-1 Lakers, I'd have first. Uh, this Warriors team, they have to finish it, but they would be second for me. And then I think the 08 Celtics have to be third, even though they sucked the first two rounds. They sucked. They, the they lost it up. The, but yeah, they just had didn't. The, their playoff series was their playoff run was the, underwhelming f- flying the ointment and the they just had like rounds. no depth and they had like they were playing all these like posy and playing eddie house and playing like but doc that that was what like what we talked about earlier doc's playing 11 and 12 guys a game in the playoffs it's, and then he finally settled on the lineup we were all waiting for when he would play posy and house it spread the floor for everybody it was a little bit he would play posy at small ball four a couple times yeah and it was a little bit of a prototype of where we were going. There's, yeah, that's happened a lot. That that that's happened more in history than people seem to. Yeah, I mean, even before him, you had like smaller. You know, Pippen would play the four sometimes. Yeah, it's happened a lot. 
Yeah. People would go. People now are just so fascinated with it because they think of like the stretch, the idea of the stretch. There was the guys who'd play the floor but weren't like the stretch four that they talked about. Part of the reason is we didn't have as many good perimeter guys as we had now. Every roster was clogged by all these big guys. And we didn't have Twitter. We have Twitter were, to just murder to teams. Just, and just talk about and just hear, hear from people that you would never even know knew a lot about basketball, but somehow they become like savants and you start learning and you just learn more that way. There wasn't that people were watching games. There was no replay. There was no YouTube. Yeah. So if you didn't catch the game live, you probably weren't going to see it again. Whereas now everything is consumed and reanalyzed and all these things are talked about. People think that that the game of basketball has been reinvented now, but really it's been that way in a lot of ways. It's been, I, we talked about 04 Pacers Pistons. That was the nadir. Yeah. That's when I was like, shit, is this, is basketball just, I remember writing columns about it back then. Is basketball just going to suck now? We went to the Olympics that summer. We got our asses kicked by Argentina. The Greek team another team, some. The Greek team. <laughs> With uh, baby Shaq. Yeah, everyone's playing at this. <laughs> we, we were so stuck in this one-on-one residue of MJ, Kobe style of just one on, be clear out, I got it. And, and then Nash's sons came along. And the tragedy of it, and I guess... There were remnants of it with the, the white chocolate kings played that way a little bit, and then the Ma- the Dirk Nash Mavs. There were they, some rule we, changes. We saw some of it. The rule changes helped. helped. Yeah, the no illegal defense. Yeah, the no five second back because you know that the, the team that did it the worst was the Rudy Tomjanovich Rockets, where they had Mobley and Francis, and they would legitimately have four guys standing on the left hand side of the court or the right hand side of the court, all the way by by the benches. And then you only had one guy who was only allowed to guard the main yeah, play. Yeah. And he would just, it would just be like clear out every game. And just like, who would watch this? It was this? horrible. Who, it was now, terrible. 10 years from now, they'll say that about Hackershack. Probably. Yeah, back in 2016, you just foul people. JJ Reddick climbed on his back, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Gave him a piggyback. They fouled the inbounds passer just to get him on KJ the line. JJ McDaniels came off the bench in the second half and fouled five consecutive times in the first 10 oh seconds. Oh, my God. I can't believe they, they, they haven't stopped it yet. That's a good... That, I can't go to Clipper games anymore. I just won't go. I've but, been to two all year. But by the way, that's like a good analysis or an, just a good example of how basketball in a laboratory doesn't really work the hacka the idea that jb bickerstaff and management decided they wanted to be more aggressive with the hacking and so they did it to drummond at the start of the third quarter it was awful but what what really happened was like the players hated it yeah because the crowd's booing and i think that's something that you don't realize that these are human beings i mean they realize it but you didn't know how how it react you didn't know there was an uncontrolled environment now you see how it react oh my god it actually helped them. They went on like a 15 to four run while they were doing it. Yeah. But then they just became demoralized afterwards. Like you could see the players talked about afterwards. I hated that. That was stupid. I didn't like doing that. And it's interesting because that, that's something where if they were robots, it would be like the perfect strategy. Well, and, and that's part of the problem with sports. And I think Daryl found that out this year in Houston. Possibly. He made all of these moves that made sense in a computer. Well, but these are personalities that have to play together. And when you're building your team around Harden, he got to Howard the Western Conference Finals, though. And, and he did, but he went super knucklehead this year, though. Last year, he was like at capacity. And this year, then now you're taking on. And what I was the knucklehead the Ty- stuff this year, though? Well, the Lawson, Ty Lawson trade. That was the one for sure. Adding that. And I, did, I thought it was a smart trade. It's like you got to roll the dice and do it. This guy was this guy was the best part of a 55-win team two years ago. Yeah. I but got I into think a fight can... with people on Twitter, but like, there's no way you can... They're not starting him. I said, there's no way they're starting no, him. People right. are like, no, they're going to start Ty Lawson. And I was like, how? How could you start him? It, he doesn't mesh at all with Harden. Harden, Beverly's the perfect com, you know, companion for... Right. 
perfect pie to partner. I thought they were going to just play him two seven-minute stretches, stretches a half until they figured out if what he was an do. actual guy. Yeah. But, you know. That team is, um, yeah, it's it's a fun team to watch sometimes. Now they're just playing, like, helter-skelter basketball. Now they, they play Corey Brewer, Ariza, uh, Beverly, Harden, and then whichever big they have healthy either – uh, yeah. See, I like the team when they played both bigs at the same time. I like the Capella Howard Rockets because they were crashing, they were doing everything, they were controlling the glass, and they were different. Now it's just you watch the game and it's like I get nervous. I don't even I don't drink like energy drinks or anything. Like, yeah. But if or I drink a lot of coffee and I'll watch the game and I'll be like, oh, this is making me nervous watching this. I don't even have a bet on the game and I'm getting nervous. Why is Brewer so amped up? Just tell him to relax. Yeah. It's just a bad. It's like gives you bad energy when you watch the game. You're just too hyper. This and actually, Josh Smith was a good addition to that because well, yeah, I mean, he's helter skelter too, and it fits with that whole team. That was a great trade for uh, by Doc Rivers, the GM of the Houston Rockets. I know, <laughs> just giving away a player for to, to your to a team in your conference for nothing. Well, now at this point, they might as well just go full scale crazy. Just the Rockets, keep, yeah, they because they're past the point of no return. I would hire George Carl. When he gets fired, just bring no, him in. Bring him not. in to be the. That's one guy I would not hire. I would take JB Bickerstaff. I don't want a take, crazy coach. No, I would take JB Bickerstaff. You like JB? I just think George Carl is just. He's I was just, kidding about George Carl. Yeah. George should not coach anymore. He's just. He's it's like, over for George. Like he's on the the bench knitting sweaters the entire game, just like knitting, literally knitting, watching the game being played and taking his glass, putting his glasses on to see what's going on every now and then, going back to knitting because he doesn't do anything. He just sits there and he's like, our best perimeter defender is Seth Curry, and we're a terrible defensive team. Okay, well, if you really believe that, why don't you play your best perimeter defender and let right. him play a little bit? Someone was telling me that uh, I can't remember who told me this, but Popovich, when uh, it was either somebody who played for him or somebody who knew somebody who played for him, he showed up on San Antonio, and they were basically, oh no, it wasn't somebody who told me. I read this. This was okay. in a Wojnarowski <laughs> piece. I knew, I knew, I heard it somewhere. It was that David West thing about Wojnarowski in the Wojnarowski thing about how he showed up. And they were like, they didn't even really have scouting reports for the other teams. And Pop was just like, we're just going to run our stuff. Just run our place. I don't care who we're playing. As long as we do our thing, it'll be great. That's interesting. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, I think George Carl tried this. George Carl took it to another level. But he's not great Yeah. He's like, I don't care what other people are running. And his team's like, yeah, but we don't know what we're running either. This is a problem. That team is, uh. That's like where you, if there was like, a, if you could have a revolution like they had in Egypt, which didn't really succeed. It would have happened. They should be able to do a basketball revolution where someone just takes over and eliminates the owner. And I don't mean we know it's them. funny I about. Mean, I just mean gets them out of being the owner because that team will never succeed as long as that guy owns the team. But did you see like the minority owners are getting together? It's yeah, like, they're gonna have a coup. Yeah. How? Good, luck, good luck actually doing that. How? It it's great. not a public company. Link you it to reporters. Yeah. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't like have a hostile takeover of a team, right. force them to sell and float bad news. It doesn't work that way. Do you know how many bad NBA owners there have been that nobody could get rid of? I mean, Sterling owned the team for 30 years. He used to sit next to him. I, there, I, he had a lot of great moments next I, to Sterling. Not only did I sit next to Sterling, but I also rented a house in Malibu two years in a row and I didn't notice. And I look over one day in my master bathroom. I look over and, and Donald Sterling's in his master bathroom. I'm on my deck and I look over to my next door neighbor and it's Sterling lathering himself up with like calamine oh lotion. Oh my God. I was just like, I was just like, what on earth? This guy lives here too. I just saw him a couple of days ago. I can't avoid this guy. What? Who do you think's the best owner? Um, There's lots of really good owners. It seems like we're- The ones we don't talk about are the best eight ones. Eight to 10, yeah. 
ones Peter are, Holt, those guys. Yeah. I, I mean, think the Celtics have a really good infrastructure now. They I like what chill, they're doing. Yeah. The yeah. ones who aren't trying to like micromanage the team. I mean, Cuban micromanages the team. And he's a good owner. But he also has struggled to recapture that, you know, that flash they had the year that they won. I mean, look, he had two finals runs. He should have won the year that 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 Bennett Salvador and Danny Crawford decided that Dwayne right. Wade was going to win the championship that yes. year. Um, and then this one. So he's a, he was a good owner for sure. But the best owners, I don't know. It seems like there's eight or ten that know they're not. I don't think Gilbert's a good owner. No. He's like I a, think you could argue that. If you had the LeBron, LeBron falling into your lap in 2003. The dude got the first draft pick like four years ago. I know, but that's the thing. Like, if you just given anyone else a scenario of you're going to have LeBron in 2003, he's going to leave in 2010, you're going to get three of the next four first round first picks in the draft, and then he's going to come back. At some point, you're winning the title with just about any scenario there. The fact that, and it's funny because New Orleans repeated this with Davis, you know? They, that guy they, is not the best owner. Whoever he's the owner, Benson. Well, they're they're horrible. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't even know who runs New Orleans. I don't. I'm not sure anybody knows who's actually calling the shots. But with Davis, you just want to build. They give away the two first rounders for Drew Holiday. They pay Tyreek. They uh, they extend Eric Gordon. They give Ashik. Like, are you Ashik watching basketball? The, How do you give Ashik fifty five million dollars? The the worst. That the was whole the league is moving away from Ashik. Yeah. Um, it's. But I feel bad, and and I actually think Davis made. I, I said this last summer. I thought he made a real mistake grabbing the money over waiting a year, because if I'm him, I kind of want to make sure I'm not going to be stuck for my entire twenties on a, on like a terrible franchise, and that's might have happened. I would say that it's very likely to have happened. They have cap space. If you're a free agent, do you want to go, go sign to that there? team? Yeah. I mean, you, hey, look, when you know you can lace it, lace them up and go play at the Smoothie King Arena, that's something that you, <laughs> yeah. that's something that you got to really think hard about. I can go play at the Boston Garden or I can go play at Smoothie King Center. Right. We th- we both think that there's a Durant Lakers possibility. I think Durant's going somewhere other than OKC. But I, I next mean, year or a year from now. I don't know if he signs a one-year deal. He probably it's in his best interest to sign a one-year deal, wait for Westbrook, and then make a move together. But I was saying, I was telling you that if uh, if the Lakers do something that seems fishy on the surface, like let's say they just trade D'Angelo Russell on a contract for Mike Conley, right? And you're like, why would they do this? They're gonna ruin their top three pick. That you know they have to finish second basically to get mm-hmm. that to keep that pick. Like, why would you get Mike Conley? Why add him to this? That, to me, would be the red flag that they think Durant's coming. If they trade for somebody that helps them short-term and threatens that pick, if they trade Russell or any of the Clarkson, one of these young guys, for somebody who's better than them, who will help them be better right now, that tells me they think Durant's coming. So if they don't do that, then maybe he's not. Yeah. But we know that he lives here in the summer. Did, we know yeah. that he likes Los Angeles. Loves Los Angeles. And I do think the underrated part. I mean, part, everyone loved but I, I, yeah, I, I really said that, but everyone yeah. was like, nah, everyone, it's just the summer. So maybe it's just that. Well, that's the thing. If you're an NBA player, you're on the road for eight months. Like, mm-hmm. you're just bouncing around. Doesn't it, is, totally it does make it live. tough with the state tax here to yeah. actually want to live here year-round, I think, for some of these guys. So maybe they maybe win. But I don't know. I just think LA, for whatever reason, has an appeal to people. I mean, look, you're a transplant. Well, I think if you're like a famous tall celebrity like Kevin Durant, where you stand out everywhere you go, I would not want to live in a small city. Mm-mm. I'd want to live here. This is the only city other than maybe New York. And even New York, I think it's hard to harder to blend in. But 
here nobody's gonna bother you there's a million celebrities here like Durant can that's why all these guys live here in the summer and they train here and they play here because people leave them alone Uh, trade deadline's coming up we should talk about that quickly and then we'll go anybody you would target so I guess the the suspects would be Orlando Sacramento uh, New Orleans what do you mean by suspects well just teams that are ready to do something I think the Celtics are ready to do something the other way because they just have all these assets you got Brooke Lopez sitting there. Uh, you have Thad Young sitting there. It's tough for Brooke Lopez to get traded without a general manager. Right. They need to get a general manager first. I don't, I'm not, I mean, he's played every game this season and he's been really good. And he's single handedly killing my Celtics pick that we have of theirs. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I trade him. He's 20 and eight every night. You they know? have he like, that team is just messed up because they can't do anything. They're, they're not going to pivot. They've given away all their draft picks. They yeah, have, but that, that's the case of you just bought them out. You try to get first rounders for those two guys, clear all your cap space. But they don't even have, yeah, you need to get new first rounders. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't even have their own. But right. even if they got the new ones, I don't know that it's enough. It's just, a, they're just in a, there's just a bad, I mean, the good thing they have going for them is they got an owner who will spend money. I would have used the Joe Johnson contract to take risky contracts from other teams, like hit or miss. Like if Chicago was just saying, Derek Rose, let's just get out of this. No. Well, I'm just saying if they did. Yeah. You could dump Joe Johnson. And, eh. for, or whoever. Or if, or if Cleveland's like, Tristan Thompson, this isn't working. We, will you take him and mm-hmm. give us an... I think that I would use the Joe Johnson for that. I would not buy him out. I would try to buy out somebody else's panic move. Or Rudy Gay. The Kings were just like, we just get Rudy Gay out of here. We just want an expiring for him. Um, oh, yeah. That's... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just kept quiet for that <laughs> one. <laughs> My face went white when you mentioned yeah, but, his name. But the Nets, they have no incentive to tank at all. No. So And they have no they chance of getting get better. So better it's... players. Even Rudy Gay is better than whoever they're trotting out. I don't know. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Bar- Bargnani? Bargnani. Bargnani? They played Bargnani and Bojan Bogdanovic together one game. It was an absolute disgrace. It really was like a disgrace. It? No, I was just watching the game, watching these two guys play. It was just unbelievable. I'm just going to quickly look through the standings. And uh, Orlando, who would you try to steal from Orlando? Do you like the, Harris? I mean, I would try to get Vooch. That's like the best player on the team, but they would never get rid of him. You don't but think so? They got to do something. They have all these... If I was a team, a playoff team that was trying to add a player, not like a young stud or anything, but just like a, a player that could add, I would try to get Fry. He's a player that could help. He could help Cleveland. Uh, Boston? He could help Boston. He could still shoot. He could make that three in the top of the key yeah. that's always open for us. Uh, so that's a player I would try to poach from that team. I would also maybe like he's hurt now, but if he when he gets healthy, I would look at if I needed a backup point guard, I would look at CJ Watson. Mm. Because he's he's actually he was actually quite good earlier this year. Anyone on the Bucks? I mean, the Bucks. Yeah, you just look sad. I didn't I mean, mean to make they, you they sad. Have, they, they, have, they just, they have the like. The team that can't shoot? It's just they have like, they have Middleton and they have Giannis and then they have nothing. So you're out on Jabari. I, I'm out. On, I mean, I don't even know enough to know about Jabari. I think anyone does. It's his first real year playing. But like. When they went and added, they had a decent team. Then they added Michael Carter Williams and Greg Mon. They now they got Mike. They got Greg Monroe, who's just completely decimated their defense. They play a style that requires a super, super, 
like attention to detail and they don't have players or and then also the league kind of figured out that if you get dribble penetration against their defense you have a wide open corner three if you make one pass right and you set like a back screen so it's um so you didn't like the greg monroe signing no and you know what the funny thing is i don't talk about what a great job phil jackson <laughs> did that was the guy he wanted right he wanted he needed greg monroe he not wanted to mention greg he was monroe. ready to trade the number four pick and the trade fell through at the last second was that what was gonna happen oh yeah the celtics were moving up to four wow so mj hey, screwed it be up. careful anointing someone a, a, a wizard for drafting porzingis because you could have had greg monroe instead the celtics were ready to give up four first round picks including this year's brooklyn pick because they like justice winslow that much it seems oh, a wow. little extravagant i think now, so too after watching justice i like justice a lot i thought he was going to be a potential multi all-star not sure he can shoot some of those Seems guys be just never develop jump shots, and yeah. some of them do. Like Bruce Bowen never had a jump shot. That How he about Draymond? On. Draymond. So it's possible. He's a, a definite athlete. He reminds me a little bit of Kawhi without the jump shot. Kawhi developed a jump shot. He developed yeah. a three. So, I like. I would bet on Justice Winslow, but it's just uh, to, to give There's up. another really, really good... Um, the guy that the uh, Pistons have is also very good, Stanley Johnson. Do you like him? I think he's good. This is a great draft. It really was. I really like this draft. This is the year if you want to buy uh, basketball cards for your for your kids, I would recommend this class because uh, pretty much everybody, even Okafer, I think on the right team could be good. But you just go down like D'Angelo. I'm not willing to give up on him. Porzingis. I yep. love Hazonia. I just want to play. Good, yep. Winslow. Willie Cauley Johnson. is actually, I think on the right team is really, if he's on a contender where he's the only he one can, who can't shoot. He's a player shoot, who can yeah, start on a team good. for sure. Um, the... Uh, Stanley Johnson, mm-hmm. Winslow, Kaminsky's not a bad ninth man. Not the league's kind of yeah. moved away from what he, you know. It's a good draft. The, yeah. All those guys are playing and contributing, which we is need pretty to talk rare. about 11, 12, 13. It was uh, Miles Turner. Okay. Shocked by how good he is. Even the guy uh, Utah has is in Ty, Trey Lyles, 12. Devin Booker, 13. Booker might that was be, your top 13. Booker might be the, the steal of, of the draft. And the Celtics were 16, right, right after the Just draft fell off. Yeah. I like... I like Bobby Portis and I like uh, Nance Jr. I think it's going to be okay. I'm not a big Larry 27th. Nance Jr. It's 27th pick. Yeah, for that it's great. Yeah, he yeah. could be a ninth man. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone on Washington you would take? Would you Would you want to rent uh, Nene for four months? No. No. You made a face. I mean, I don't know. He'd be all right, but he's not great. I would take like, I think Gort- if I had a choice, I would take Gortat. They would never get rid of Gortat. I would take Gortat. They're, uh... How about on Phoenix? P.J. Tucker? No, that team is. Marquise? You know, I would get. There's a lot of players on Phoenix I would take. Actually, like who? Tell us. I mean, I just hate doing this because I feel like people steal my ideas. But I would take. Um, Who's going to steal your ideas? It's a I, podcast. Five hundred thousand people are going to listen to this. I knew this is true. Uh, I would take John Luer, Mirza Talalovich. I would take I Marquise Morris. I like I like Mirza. I like Mirza too. I want the Celtics to get him. That dude makes threes. He can and score, he's and he can physical. score in the he's post too. Yeah, yeah. He, can, he doesn't defend. Uh, he's a little suboptimal. I like like nine of the players in that team, and they're terrible because they don't have a point guard who can. Because Brandon Knight is, was and they don't have. And then Bledsoe sign. went down. They were good before Bledsoe went down. They could play, and they had Bledsoe, and 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 they had that. Talk about like, talk about completely messing your team up forever. They could have just taken the draft pick instead yeah. of Brandon Knight. Instead of paying Brandon Knight seventy million dollars, yeah, just take the draft pick. But what? then they wouldn't have been able to sign the artist formerly known as Tyson Chandler for fifty-two million. Then that move. Which pissed off Mark. This guy, this owner, I'm going to tell you something about this owner. This guy goes on a rant about millennials 
Yeah. Okay. He fires all of his assistants first. <laughs> right. Gets rid of all of his assistants. Then <laughs> fires the head coach. Hmm. Now he's got no assistant to be the interim coach. Right. So Sahara he hires Watson. a guy who's never coached. Wasn't even an assistant. He was like third row on the back of the bench. Yeah. Got rid of Long Lombardi, whatever his name is. He brought in Earl Watson. Earl, Earl thought he was going to get fired. He brought then they called like, like, no, you're the coach. Yeah, you're the coach. And then they then they get like Bob Hill, who I don't know, has he even been around basketball? What is he doing? Coaching like youth choir or something? They get this guy to be the assistant, the lead assistant, Bob Hill, who used to be a head coach. That's cool. But it's like, talk in about 1995, but like talk about unrealistic expectations, like yeah. people who want it now generation going off on Markeith Morris, buddy, you fired all your assistants, then fired the head coach. I'm with you. What is the, I mean, what is this guy smoking? Would you trade Fareed Gallinari? That's another team that's And stacked. a number one pick for Blake. Oh, I already said that I would, if I was the Clippers, I would do that trade all the time. What if the Clippers said, I want Will Barton too? Well, that was the trade I said I wanted. Not, I didn't realize. You didn't want did. that one. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want all of those guys. You, I want Will Barton. Denver. Yeah. Yeah. No, if I'm Denver, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the trade. So you would do Will Barton, Gallinari, if I was the and Clippers. a pick for the for Blake. Yeah, why would Denver? You? you wouldn't trade Gallinari. By the way, Barton, if the Clippers did that, they would be a better team than they are with Blake. Not because Blake is a bad player, but because Doc doesn't know what he's doing with them anyway. So it's like when the general manager can make a trade to help the coach who doesn't know how to play his best player. It's like he's two people. <laughs> he, right, he's the same guy. I've seen enough of DeAndre Blake and Chris as my Look, top three. They're never going to win the title. The three of them, dude. They do have. Something. Think about this for a second. They have no backup point guard. Okay. Oh, come on. Austin Rivers. He's listening. Okay. And Pablo Prigioni. He's who 100 never, years who's, There's like a, a invisible shield in front of him. Doesn't allow him to shoot ever. And then they have no backup center or backup four. And it's a league where there's 80 point guards. So they have. You can find point guards anywhere. Right. Jared Bayless. They could just find this just guy anyone. somewhere. They're anyone. sitting around. CJ Watson. Maybe they could pick yeah. him. Help Doc. Maybe he'll pick up CJ Watson for him. Hmm. But think they, they, they're going to play a team that, that needs Luke Richard and Ba'amute to, to guard the team's best three, like let's say Oklahoma City. He can't believe he's getting called listen out. Listen to this for a second. So that's their best four. Yeah. L, that's their best backup four, Luke Richard. Yeah. But he has to play the three because their actual four, Paul Pierce, can't stay in front of any threes. Right. And so now he has to guard Ibaka. How is this team ever going to win anything? Like these people are, are so out of, they're so out. They're realistic. There's just they have to make a trade because if they're not going to take Blake and make him a backup and play him first off the bench, which is what they should do, because they can't play all of them together anyways, and they need to stagger their minutes. If they're not going to do that, then the GM has to help the coach out and get some depth because they need some depth. But they're the same person. I know, but I'm trying to like he maybe he doesn't know he's the same person. He's never been able to figure out how to get five guys who can win a game in the last four minutes. He's has all these different guys, but they never have found the fifth guy. Even last year it was Barnes. It's like I don't know. Well, he's Barnes also got straight rounds. He's also got Lawrence Frank running his defense, which is like helping that. matters. No, um, Cole Aldrich, first backup center off the bench versus a team like Oklahoma City that crashes the boards and good has luck. yeah. Good luck with that. Last question, then we'll go. You're running the Utah Jets. I call you up and I offer the Brooklyn pick and David Lee's expiring contract. Why do I have to take David Lee's expiring contract? Because I have to make the salaries okay. match okay. for Gordon Hayward. No, I don't do that. You don't do that for Utah? No. Brooklyn pick isn't guaranteed to be like a, a terrific pick. What else do I have to throw in? Can I throw in the Dallas pick that's going to be like number 18? I mean, I don't know. I just think that I think I, I like, first of all, I like Gordon Hayward. 
I think he's a very good too. player. That's why I'm trying to make an offer yeah, for him. You got to give. I don't. I don't think you have the stuff to make it happen. I don't know. I don't know how that would. So you wouldn't trade Gordon Hayward? No. I mean, I would trade him for some players, but I wouldn't trade him for a draft pick, even if I, that draft pick was guaranteed. I mean, if you, draft pick was guaranteed to be number one or number two after the you know the draft order has already been established, and you want to make a trade for it's unprotected. I get it, but it's still a gamble, and I don't know that. Now, if that pick ends up being like five or six, now you've just traded Gordon Hayward for a five or six pick. I tried to neg his value on Twitter last week. Everyone caught work. on. Yeah, I know. Twitter's too smart now. It really is. Twitter's at the same time too smart and too annoying. It's like a very oh, it's the worst place on it's earth. It's like a girlfriend you it, who knows though. you thrive on it. It's like a girlfriend who knows she's better than you and she's still with you and she makes you <laughs> <laughs> makes you feel the pain all the time. So I'm not getting Gordon Hayward. No. Okay. Maybe. It's my dream. It's. A, I think he's the one. At the, I don't think we can get Boogie. I think the Kings minority owners will throw their body in front of a boogie trade somehow. They might be able to get boogie. I don't know. That team is. That team is. Would one, you want one. boogie? Do I want boogie? I do. I don't right? think you'd want to mess with the cool flow that the team has. I can get one like, guy though, right? One. It just feels like they have such a good. I don't know. Maybe it would work. They didn't. They didn't. He didn't like Isaiah Thomas before. He's going to like him now. No, that's not true. They like each other. He's not in shape. Is my fear with him. I still. I watched these games. That Barkley said it when he was on the pod two weeks ago, and I agreed. Feel like Barkley was calling someone out of shape. I know when <laughs> we'll Barkley talk about, knows. Talk about the kettle. He the knows though. That's <laughs> right. The thing. He can spot it. Uh, thanks to Slender Tone for sponsoring today's podcast. If you want firmer, stronger abs, try Slender Tone's smart fitness device that tones and tightens your abs using clinically proven EMS technology. You'll get firmer, more toned abs in less than six weeks. Eh, maybe six weeks. Go to SlenderTone.com. Offer code BS for twenty percent off. At checkout. It's great. I highly recommend it. Thanks to stamps.com for allowing me to break up with the post office. I buy and print my own U.S. postage using my own computer and printer. You can too. Get a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer. Includes postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top. Type in BS. Thanks to HBO Now. Download the HBO Now app. Start your free one-month trial today. Thanks to SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons Podcast on Channel 33. And thanks to my man Bob Valgaris. That was fun. Yeah, for did sure. We we hit everything, right? I feel like we did. I think so too. All right. So tomorrow night, like twelve games, thirteen games. Flying out tomorrow night. Oh, you're flying out. You're yeah. missing. I'm the Wednesday. Thirteen hour flight out of here. All right. Just here for a day. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Great to see you. Great to do this in person. Talk to you soon. We about this bitch. Anytime y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes. Picture me rolling.